My name is Joshua K. Sabra Esquire. And with him as always, Dr. Miles Salisbury. And you're listening to the Miles Ahead podcast, the intersection between mental, physical, and spiritual health for those on the path of the warrior. Stay tuned. addressing one of my favorite topics about uh, uh, life today, the obstacles, the way I've been looking forward to this conversation since we started the, the podcast, because when, when I'm suffering and going through my own individual journey, whether it's like failing at relationships or, um, you know, business or finances, I always feel like I'm the only one. And I kind of fall down the stairs, make a bunch of mistakes. And sometimes I learn from them and, and move on. And, I like to hear about other people's process and, um, and, and how they, how they live, live out their, um, uh, live past their failures, so to speak. So we're going to get deep into that today. I'm really fascinated by this topic and I'll share some, uh, personal quotes from people, uh, like actors, people like authors, like Sir Michael Caine, um, Ryan Holiday, uh, Dr. Miles Salisbury, you know, really important people in the field who are, are talking about personal development. Um, but before we get to that, I need to know, Miles, how are you doing today? Uh, a little bit better than last <laughs> week. Uh, it's a work in progress. Uh, yeah, I'm hanging in, trying to have, like I said last time, a new, new perception on the world, different outlook. Uh, this episode is pretty timely. Um, I mean, this whole podcast has been pretty timely. Like. I'm in that sort of uh, liminal stage of uh, transitions, you know, like midlife transitions, whatever you want to call it. And when you do that, you have a lot of obstacles to overcome, or it becomes a midlife crisis. So, uh, as always, when you ask me a, a simple question, I start to rabbit hole. So I'm going to pull myself back. I am doing okay. <laughs> how about that? That's Nobody... the thing with introverts. Like we hate to be asked how we're doing because it's like, fuck. Do you... I, I hate being authentic, and I, if I say I'm fine, I feel like I'm lying. And then I'm like, okay, but I got to tell you everything. And then that's not what people are looking for. They're just like, they want a what's up. You're saying uh, you hate being inauthentic. I hate being inauthentic. And then like, do you really want to know how I'm doing? And I, I want to tell you, but then I can tell you, you don't really care. Right? Not you, but like sometimes when people are like, hey, how's it going? I, elevator talk is the worst for introverts. I, I, it drives us crazy. Well, I think also, I think the more self-aware I get, the more I don't know what the answer to that question is. Yes. I mean... Aside being good to go, and I'm mostly good to go most of the time, um, somebody will ask me a question that, like, hey, how's your running or how's something going? And it's like, well, I'm injured, but I'm still doing it. And it's like, it's kind of complex. I don't really know. I guess today I like running, mm -hmm. but it's not static. And it's certainly, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you ask me after lunch, I might feel better. Boom. Yeah, my be the, the best working response I have now, and I heard one of my jujitsu buddies said this one time, someone asked him how he's doing, and he said, working on it. I was like, yes. But when someone asks me how I'm doing, I'm just going to say that. I'm working on it. 
and they get a laugh and then they go away and it's fine because they don't really want to know they just want to they more they don't want to what's up basically i i think people so i've come full circle on this now not everybody wants to know for sure so the people that are in your environment that care about you they do want to know they actually want to know it's like taking a temperature it's not like you're going to do anything with the information Mm. but it's like what's the trend you know, and what do I, how can I, most of the time we're just trying to figure out what to expect from Miles or what, what to expect from Josh. Right. Um, like reading the rooms. Sort of. Yeah, exactly. Right. And like, I don't want to bring up a bunch of stuff if you're in the middle of something. Um, you know, uh, Taylor Tomlinson has a, a bit in her recent special where her friend calls her to tell her that she's getting engaged. <clears throat> she's engaged. And before she tells her, she like lets Taylor empty her cup. And like let her kind of vent about her life for like five or ten minutes, and then at the end she's like, "Oh, so wow, okay." So she said, "Well, how are you doing?" Um, oh, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm engaged. And, and she's like, "What? Why did you bury the lead?" She's like, "Because I wanted you to be in a place where you could hear me." Uh-huh. And uh, it's like it's it's it was really good hand holding, without judgment. Like mm. you know, I know you're you're a lot. You got a lot going on, and it and depending on the day, like. You know, we may be in a good state or a state of receptivity or maybe like a bullet and we're already on, you know, on our way to wherever we're going. So good for her for um, being able to examine that. Mm-hmm. But nobody got punched in the face in the last week. You're working on it. Yep. And uh, what are you listening to right now? Man, it's always the skin like, how are you doing? <laughs> well, uh, you'd have to look at my... Uh, so I just have them on shuffle on my uh, on my phone. Uh, M83. Okay. Plus M- M- M83. Yeah, that, that one's been coming up a lot. There's a great... Uh, so when you do cryotherapy, you can choose your song while you're in there freezing your ass off. And I've been listening to M83. I can't remember the title of the album. It's a very fa- it's probably the most famous one. But the last song is called Outro. And for whatever reason, like when I listen to that song, it's like it brings out sort of like the king ar- archetype feeling in me. Like it's very majestic. Mm. And it keeps me focused in the in the cold mm-hmm. and it's good if i'm ever feeling down i just put that song on like okay you're still good like connect with the music how's it resonating in your chest it's and, and then it brings me back like a feeling of triumphant Th- that's it exactly yeah and i love it mm-hmm. i love it anything with horns jay-z's got a lot of songs with horns mm-hmm. the trumpet makes me feel pretty triumphant mm-hmm. yeah i like that mm-hmm. like yeah. renzio reveille <laughs> yeah yeah Nope. <laughs> Oh, everything the army does is about get, like getting you in the mood to march, getting mm. you in the mood to like, and it's also, there's a, the sense of gigantic organization and inevitability in everything you do. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not, it's not your platoon. It's first armored division. Mm. You know, it's, We're all it's together. the army, mm-hmm. not your, you know, it's, it's huge. It's mm-hmm. a big, yeah. So everything, all, every, all their songs and music is about, um, a sense of, um, you know, togetherness, uh, togetherness. Well, togetherness and in in power, and then the sure. taps when we're, we're melancholic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, well you got to mourn. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have to mourn, and that's, gosh, this is all tying into the episode because you every day is a process of growth and grief, mm. and when you get caught up in one versus the other, you're missing something. So we're gonna we're gonna tie into that too, but. I'm listening to, uh, I'm back to metal. I got the sword today. The Sundering, uh, Iron Swan. These are, uh, the sword is like a kind of a fantasy metal, big metal band. They do some acoustic stuff too, so 
they're quite a broad spectrum of, of music, but mostly instrumental. And there's some lyrics. I know there's lyrics to the sword, but it's a really minor part of the sword. <laughs> some screaming here. And there. It's not even screaming. Sometimes it's just like two lines and, you know, in just the entire song. Um, <laughs> that was minimalist. No, it's how heavy this axe, you know, they, 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 they say it, they, they state what they want you to feel. Mm, mm. It's very Viking. It's like, like this it. is literal. <laughs> this is literal. You will you, you're holding a heavy axe. <laughs> yes. You're powerful, but you're also tired. <laughs> it works. It works. Music works. Music works. So yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm dabbling in the in the metal again. But um, cool. But um, so the format for today's episode, I want to talk about. Um, basically, there's this um, Sir Michael Sir Michael Caine uh, in his first few years uh, as an actor was doing a play, doing a, uh, a play uh, in London, yeah, in England. And he is um, uh, supposed to enter the room while a couple is having a fight. They're fighting with each other. And they're act, you know, these are all young actors, so they're getting into their craft. And so they're, they're you know, they're pushing over chairs and they, one of them pushes a chair over and it falls in front of the door. He's supposed to use oh, to shit. enter the, the scene. So he can't get into the scene. So he, the door barely, barely budges and, and the director is like, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's like, uh, uh, pardon me. I, um, I can't, I can't get in the, uh, the, there's a chair in the way of the door. You know, I, what do you want me to do? And the director says, use the difficulty, use the difficulty. Hmm. And he's like, well, I don't know what that means. He's like, if it's a drama, you smash the chair. If it's a comedy, you fall over the chair. Mm. Use the, the environmental difficulty mm. to augment what mm. you're trying to do. I love it. And so that has been his way of going for himself, his family. Use the difficulty. Can you profit even 1% from whatever's going on in your, in your life, in your, in your world, the, the pain that you're going through? Can you use the difficulty? How can I use the difficulty? How can I use the difficulty? So... Um, I lo- that, well, that is the, the idea that I want to use to attack frustration, friction, and failure because there's a profit in whatever, whatever you're suffering, whatever your obstacle is. There's a skill to learn. There's a quality of character to learn. There is um, an attribute to learn. And there's a strategy to learn too. Because sometimes maybe you don't need to climb the obstacle. Maybe you need to go around. Maybe it's a different strategy that's going to take you to where you want to go. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to share a, a past obstacle that I faced that been the miles, but I wanted us to each bring a, um, an example of this where you or, or I hit an obstacle and, and, and it was painful and frustrating and spent time and energy trying to solve it. But in reality, there was a skill or there was something we were lacking that we had to apply. And then by that, by that application, we were able to grow through. And, um, you want me to start or you want to start? Uh, you start, but one thing that just came to mind when you're talking about that example, um, before it flitters out of my brain, uh, when I used to do Aikido, there was a principle of irimi, which means enter into the conflict. You know, instead of like, you, you don't want to get too close to it where you can't uh, interact with your adversary or run, 
I can sometimes run through the answer, but like, if you enter into the conflict and you have agency, you can work with it. So I, when you had that example of Michael Caine in the chair, it's like he's, that's the conflict and he's maneuvering with whatever that brings. Is it comedy? Is it a drama? What is it? And you maneuver. And so in Aikido, that is a very circular kind of martial art and you enter into the conflict and you, you move circularly, sometimes laterally, but it's usually circular. Um, that just came to mind. It's like, yeah, you enter in and you maneuver with whatever that adversity is giving you. Because it's very much, you know, that you use their force against them kind of thing. That's, yeah, that's kind of a, a thing with Aikido. Great martial art, but um, probably you get your ass kicked in real life unless you've been doing it for like 50 years. But the concepts are amazing. Well, I think that's the, the, the whether you're doing Taekwondo or Aikido or any martial art, the thing that you learn, w boxing, any, any martial art. Jiu-Jitsu is you have options. You have so many options, but you don't know that when you are a dummy, when you, when you, you, you attack something without skill, you don't know what all the options are. Um, there's five punches in boxing, but there's 10,000 ways to apply the five punches. Mm. So there's a, you know, jab an uppercut, a hook, a cross, and, um, Haymaker. It doesn't matter. One more. No, no. That's why they say combinations, right? If it goes together. Yeah, well, the, the combination piece is like where, when and where do you apply it? Hmm. And, but there's only a few punches. And uh, the, the efficacy of your jab or the efficacy of whatever punch often depends on where you're at, where the, what your opponent's doing, and what you're good at, what your skill set is, what their skill set is or is not. So if you know somebody doesn't have good head movement, and then you don't need to necessarily be really fast. You can predict where their head's going to be because they don't move their head that much. So you can start to use that to your advantage. So that's what life is. It's a series of problems where you have a bunch of options that you don't know about because you don't have the skill. And sometimes you're in a place that you even shouldn't be because you don't have the perspective. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, but I'll, I'll share my example of something that I was dealing with when I was a younger man, um, and I deal with versions of it every day to this day, but it's trying too hard, specifically trying too hard to build muscle. And when I was a young athlete and, and strength coach in the 2000s, mid 2000s, I was trying to improve my bench press and I was trying to improve my uh, squat and deadlift, all those things, but I was really, really aggressive. So I would, you know, do the sets as prescribed, but I wouldn't give my body any time off. So I would, I would, you know, do, instead of doing two or three workouts a week, I would do five or six. And then I would try to improve my pushups on top of my bench press, which are like the same muscle group. So I'd be really attacking everything unstrategically. And what I would find is that even though I was doing the workouts, my numbers, my performance was dropping and it would continue to move backwards. And talk about frustrating. You're like working your butt off and you're trying to make something happen and you're, you're doing what all the videos say. It's like, you know, be disciplined, show up, uh, put the work in, um, you know, and, and it was painful. Like, and I was totally fine with all that. Like I'm totally fine with sitting through pain if, it's, if I think it's pain in the right direction. But uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't getting the results that I wanted. And I was, you know, pissed off and upset, and and all I did was, I um, 
I, I read, I've kept reading books. I'm a big reader. So I would continue to read books about strength training and the concept of uh, the adaptation phase, which occurs when you're resting. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to experiment. I'm going to make every workout easy instead of and make every workout hard. And I'm going to follow this program as written. So I'm not going to do any extra stuff. I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do. And uh, I remember the, my first workout where like I thought I should be benching 185 for a set of five or whatever, whatever I thought I was. I remember I kept taking weight off and taking weight off until I was down to like benching 115 pounds, which isn't very much for an athlete, especially a strength athlete. I was, uh, I was just approaching with total curiosity and skepticism. And then in the course of the next probably like eight weeks, my bench press went up by, I don't know, probably 60 pounds. Damn. And, and I tested it at the end. So my max bench press was like 215, 225, something like that. And then at the end of it, I was doing 265, 275. And it only took, only took a couple of months. And it was probably just from working on technique and doing less and, um, and recovering more. But that's what was missing in my, in my life. But at the time, um, I, didn't, I couldn't hear any of that. All I was doing was, was pushing harder and harder because that's what I could see other people in the gym doing. And I was getting worse and worse results. Um, and I think that there, I mean, looking back now, I didn't know anything about sleep or I, I knew a little bit about nutrition, but I wasn't emphasizing that because I was in my 20s and I thought I was bulletproof. So there was just so much stuff I wasn't doing that uh, was not allowing me to recover and adapt and get the, what we call in the fitness industry, super compensation, which, which was where you build back stronger than you were before. And to do that, you have to have a, a full and complete recovery cycle. And I wasn't doing any of that stuff. And I didn't even know what that meant. So the obstacle for me was rest mm. and the skill, the skill was recovery. There's many, many facets of recovery, mental and physical, but I didn't have any of them. And that was the beginning of the conversation about, oh, so recovery can be a powerful tool if you apply it, if you're willing to apply it to, to specifically to get whatever you're trying to get. In this case, I was trying to build muscle and um, increase my bench press, which uh, I was able to do. It was a frustrating period in my life, but yeah. So that's, a, that's an example of the obstacles away. The, the, the frustration from what I thought was doing the right thing made me pause, be curious, and experiment in, in new ways of doing things and expand my toolkit that gave me that, that expanded toolkit. Not only did it give me better results in that moment, but I used that toolkit on myself and other people in my life for the next 15 years. And that w w was able to dramatically expand the results that I could get or uh, the impact that I could have on myself and the health of all of my clients for the last you know 15 years. You did good on defining the obstacle because I think some people can get tripped up by that because when you first started talking about it's like the obstacle is uh, I'm not getting stronger, right? No a consequence. Yeah. See, I, and I can see how you can screw that up. Ooh, I love that. Let's zoom in. And that the, the consequence, this is, this is people think, and, and I used to define my world by the consequences I was suffering from. And that, uh, is well, one defining your world by the problems you have 
like that's so easy to do it's a recipe for disaster because then everything becomes painful you know if you're bad with money and you're in debt and you're underwater and you can't pay your bills and you and you define your life by the consequence the consequence is oh my cost of living is too high in this model that we just made i thought made up about finances Mm -hmm. now everything's too expensive I'm, i'm the consequence of a bunch of decisions that i made are now governing how i relate to everything like oh this is too expensive i can't do this i can't do that no no no. you have to go back six steps and figure out how you got here total mindset change yeah otherwise like we were talking about earlier you know that young quote where then you call it fate like oh this is just what life gave me like (laughs) (laughs) maybe some but uh you made the decisions over time and that became your outlook and then you call it fate like you're making your own fate in a way well that's the and that's the part that i i think is i mean this is why we're doing this podcast because most of the time when i talk to somebody i'm a i'm a fitness coach and um among other things and when I talk to somebody about their health and fitness, the, our conversations never go the way that they think they're going to go because they are not responding to data. They're responding to their cognitive distortions about the data that they have about their, their health and their life. So a really good example, a wearable gives you all kinds of really cool outputs all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've exercised for 48 minutes, a burn 552 calories. Cool. Wonderful. Well, what, what people do is they use those as scoreboards instead of and, and, and say by scoreboards, I mean, Ooh, more exercise, better, mm. less exercise, worse, feel good when the score is high, feel bad when the score is low instead of what it was meant to be, which is, Oh, I'm burning 500 extra calories. I better make sure I'm mineralized, hydrated, and maybe even get a little extra carbs tonight. That's probably what I'm going to need to recover from this training today. And <clears throat> instead, people are like, well, whatever I do, I can't eat more calories than I, I, I burn. <laughs> <laughs> so they're cut their hands. They're, not only are they beating themselves up for the numbers, but then they're cutting their, their legs out from underneath them with the, with the data. And, and it's like, it's not that transaction that hurts you. It's a life. It's a whole map painted with these different colors that don't belong. And that's where um, that's where having a coach and a teacher come in, comes into play. And mm. uh, Miles does this with people in their mental health and their uh, owning their projections and their relationship with themselves. Putting out blind spots. Yeah, and I do this with people's you know fitness programs and the systems and strategies they use to create their results. It's like most of the time it's clarity. It's like what can we just eliminate the noise? If we could just do that, we would be in a dramatically different place with almost everyone. Definitely. Yeah, that's, I think of uh, meditation and mindfulness, you're kind of practicing doing that, coming back to the present, eliminating the noise, you know, not eliminating thought, but noticing thought, and then releasing thought, coming back to breathing or sound. I don't know, that's just what popped up, as, as it does when you talk, you have all these strings floating around. I love it, man. Well, I mean, it's, in my opinion, living is the process of waking up mm. and strengthening our ability to be present. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if we're doing that now, we're winning, but let's, um, that's an example of an obstacle 
where, uh, wherein I lacked both the perception and the skills needed to cross that obstacle. So I had to go get them. And I used that through literature. I used that through um, borrowing from teachers. I, 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 got, I hired coaches. I mean, I, I, I sought it. So I, I'm a seeker. So I wanted to go out and get that information. And uh, some people might, I mean, now I would think it's more intuitive, but intuition is just refined habit that you did on purpose mm. over time. Um, I don't believe intuition is magic. Okay, there is a magical part of our intuition. We're not gonna get into that on this podcast. Well, I, wanna, a- I wanna talk about Miles and his experience. Oh, you just opened up six rabbit holes right there for me, so I'm glad you pulled it back. <laughs> I wanna talk about Miles and his examples uh, of being stuck in a place that's irritating and painful and then having to grow through it. So let's, what, what do you got for us today? Oh man, my mind, rabbit holes again. Uh, let's, let's stick with the, the physical health because um, I've had some elbow injuries. I was training for a, a Navy SEAL event. Um, it's put on by SEALFit.com where you go do uh, like a, a light version of Hell Week instead of six days, it's two days. And it's for civilians and military veterans that want a taste of what it could be like so they can practice. And I was training my ass off and about six months in, um, I was following their program I, my elbow was just hurting like a bitch. And I was like, oh, I'm just sore. I just work through it. Kind of like your example, just keep pushing, pushing. And it got to the point where I, like, it hurts so bad. And that's when I went and saw um, Dr. Kaluza, who we can have in the pockets at some point. He's a, a orthopedic surgeon for the uh, bl- uh, trailblazers. Remember at the gym, uh, I went and saw him and he ultrasounded and he's like, um, yeah, you got two torn tendons in your elbow. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're torn. He's like, let's put you on physical therapy do some blood flow restriction, come back in like a couple months and we'll do it again. So I did that and wasn't getting better. And he did, uh, had to do two rounds of PRP and that dramatically healed it. Then when I had to come into this room with, uh, Grant and John, the physical therapist here, and he did more PT and uh, shockwave. We'll let them talk about that in the future podcast. Shit's magical. That finished it off. And I was like, Oh, cool. So, they healed my left one, but I didn't learn a lesson because guess what happened about six months later? My right elbow starts hurting. <laughs> like, what in the hell am I doing? And so I had to slow down and figure out what movements am I doing? And that's when you were noticing my wrist movement in bench and things like that. And he told me today I have uh, hyperflexible uh, elbow joints. Yeah, hypermobility in the elbow. Yeah. Didn't know that. So these small things uh, are adding up to it. So. Um, doing less is more not working out when I'm hurt, <laughs> listening to the PT's advice, doing shockwave, doing the exercises. Uh, and now it's, it's starting to feel better. Um, so I guess the obstacle for me was like listening to what my body said, getting rest and not trying to plow through, um, staying on a plan, listening to what the professionals say and not just plowing through. Um, I'm a, Less is more is like a weird concept for me. Like if it's like a supplement or a medication, it's like, yeah, you just take more and just keep up in the dose. Like, <laughs> that's dumb. Uh, but I have that mentality sometimes um, where less, I need to learn less can be more. Otherwise the, you know, so poison is the medicine or the medicine becomes the poison sort of, sort of thing. 
So in this case, it was, um, and I'm still going through it, um, still healing the elbow. It was like listening to my body, following the protocol, uh, letting it heal properly. And then this time I probably won't have to do any PRP, which would be great. No injections, just natural healing. I don't know if that's a good example or not, but that's what came to mind. Well, the, um, what's the, <clears throat> I like your, the, I don't know if it's a moniker or a, a mnemonic, but the, the poison is in the dose. Mm-hmm. You know, something small can be helpful. Something mm-hmm. large can be lethal. Mm-hmm. Something small can be useless. Something large can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so the, the, there's awareness, right? There's perspective in your body that you've gained, right? Like knowing what enough is, knowing what joints, what your joints are supposed to be doing in different movements, I think is important. So there's like, there's movement skill, there's biomechanic, a biomechanical status. You know, a lot of people don't know whether or not they're hypermobile or hypomobile. They don't know whether or not they're fast twitch or slow twitch. They don't know whether or not they are, you know, their, their, their metabolism, they don't know where their metabolism is even at because they, they don't monitor these things or, or check, or if they do, they're doing it on their own and they're creating a story around it without meaningful data. Mm. But, um, so you're, you've, you've expanded your awareness of your biomechanical status mm-hmm. as well as your, um, you know, your, your particular body and what enough is. And it's also affected the way that you're moving. You know, we saw today we were working out and you're, you know, avoiding lockout you're at 98% with those joints. And then you can even say like, it didn't bother your, you know, anything. So, you know, let the healing continue. Yes. So it's, it's like, and this, this, this falls into another part of a conversation we were having earlier where when people think about, um, mistakes that they make, they, they, they don't intentionally make them. They unconscious, we unconsciously make mistakes. Like I wasn't trying to move, I wasn't trying to get worse and make my body worse. I was trying to do the right thing and move forward. I was just being impatient and aggressive and I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what enough was and I, and I was just, you know, being dumb, <clears throat> being ignorant. It's not dumb to want something. It's ignorant of the rules that apply mm-hmm. and the strategies that, 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 that work. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is like you, you're, you're working out, you're, you care a lot about your health, but these are things that didn't, you didn't know existed until earlier today. Nope. Never had an issue before. So, um, a lot of times when we're pressured or we're, we're frustrated or we're, we're being repeatedly defeated by something, there's something you don't know. There's something you don't know about what you're dealing with. And, um, I'll, I'll get into the, the obstacles that I'm in right now that I'm not through. And, and, um, I'm trying to find my voice right now. I'm trying to use, I'm trying to post more on um, social media and, and shoot more videos and I enjoy it. And I, I love sharing my passion and knowledge about things, but I was, so I'm, I'm trying to get better at social media. So I'm, I'm watching, um, Gary Vaynerchuk videos and he, he has, he's telling, he's telling, he's teaching you how to use, you know, Instagram or these, these different, um, mediums. And he's like, no one's just shadow banning you. You suck. You suck at this. <laughs> you suck at, you suck at social media. So no one sees or cares about what you're posting. Cause you, you're not good at it. And, um, I was laughing cause it never occurred to me that I could be shadow banned or banned or anything like that. I, I just knew I sucked. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm at the right spot. Yes. This is, this is where we're going. Right. But like, 
uh, you know, I can, I can write and post quite a bit and I do. And if you're not good, you're just put, I'm just putting in bad reps. So I, 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 I hired a copywriter. Uh, I, uh, I bought a, a couple of info products and I started to get people's feedback on what I was writing and the feedback was great. They're like, oh, this is really complicated and dense and you have to help people understand why they should be reading it and you get better. So there's skills that you, you, you have to develop and I haven't developed them. So anyways, as of the recording of this, I'm still working on my, you know, how to use my voice, how to share my, uh, my work with people in a way that's actually meaningful and matters. And there's things I don't know. I don't know how to... I'm not a photographer. I'm not a like. I don't even have a fascination of about social media. So to me, my mindset, and this is not a healthy mindset. So I'm trying to update my script. My mindset is social media isn't real, <laughs> and I I don't view it as like a real medium of art, which it clearly is because it influences me, right? So like here I am getting influenced by people's actual work and the things that they're putting out and the products they're selling and, and things like that. And I, and I'm discounting that it, that it's a real thing in my brain. So, so there's, see, this is, this is why self-awareness is so important. I have a bunch of faulty ideas, bad scripts and, and low skill level at certain things and I'm updating it and I'm getting the reps in, but I need someone to coach me through what a rep looks like. Mm -hmm. So I don't just sit there and waste my time and energy and just hurt myself. Like I did back when I was trying to bench press more. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So should we maybe discuss the topic more in depth of what the obstacles way means, where it comes from, or do you want to talk more about personal examples? Well, or do you want to break it down into these three areas? Well, I think so where people get stuck on this, I mean, I made it sound really simple and miles made it sound really simple. We're talking about like mechanical things of like our bodies not working or um, us not getting well or injuries that are created through different strategies. But in real life, it's very depressing. It's very uh, discouraging to fail at something that you care about a lot. And that's where people, that's, that's like the mire that people get drowned in. That's mm. a, well, what's remember D'Artagnan uh, <laughs> on the horse, you know, like getting, you know, in the swamp and the, um, you know, and, and you're getting swallowed by quicksand or in a bog. It's like, that's where people, that's where dreams die because we're sitting here really giving a shit, really putting ourselves into it. Nothing's happening or moving backwards. And that's where the story comes up. And um, you've got some really good quotes here. I like this one. Um, I think it's uh, choose not to be harmed. Yeah, yeah. Give us that quote. Choose not to be harmed and you won't feel harmed. Don't feel harmed. And you haven't been. So choose, so your... choose not to be harmed and you won't feel harmed. Mm-hmm. Don't feel harmed, and you haven't been harmed. It's a stoic quote. I think this comes from Ryan Holiday's book, Obstacles Away. And it might come from Marcus Aurelius. I'm not 100% sure. sure. Well, everything, like, he's, everything he says comes from either Epictetus or Marcus Aurelius. He just regurgitates in, in modern language for us. And thank God for that. that yeah, he's doing his For some read meditation, I was like, what the hell is this? And I didn't realize it was his personal freaking journal. Like, no wonder it didn't make any sense. And then you learn about stoicism and you go back and read it. It's like, ah, that's what he's talking about. So. Yeah. So, but choose not to be harmed. So when, when you're, 
It's, it's hard to do that when you're actually being harmed. Super hard. So you're bench pressing and you're, you're, you're getting exhausted and you're moving backwards. You're exercising and you're, you're, your joints are tearing apart. Like those, th those are painful experiences. And we layer on judgments about ourselves. And this is basically, this, the rest of this podcast could just be how much time I spend trying to untie the knots that people create right in that phase mm -hmm. where, oh, my hormones are off or, oh, I have big bones or, oh, I, I'm, you know, I'm hypermobile and, you know, my ligaments are, I have ligament laxity and, oh, I have this and that. And people look for data to confirm the cognitive distortion they yes. already have about themselves. They're adding a, a second narrative. In Buddhism, they call this the suffering of suffering. You already have the first pass of suffering. Like, I'm hurt. And the second pass is all these stories. And you're heaping on extra suffering you don't need. And in Stoicism, this is called the discipline of perception. Like, if we could just stay with the initial pass of suffering. Yeah, okay, I got hurt. I don't have to, I can choose that I'm not harmed psychologically about this. I can choose, there's no narrative. I don't have to add a story. I don't have to self-flagellate. But even then, it doesn't feel like a story. It feels like what's happening. So I'll give an example. So like, um, you're, you're doing dips or whatever, and you're, both your elbows hurt. Mm -hmm. And your story is great, now I can't do dips. Right. That doesn't seem like a story of, like that's, that's not a story of judgments. I go up and talk to a girl, and she rejects me, and she yells at me and tells me I'm ugly. Like, me feeling like inadequate or feeling like I wasn't meant to talk to girls, it doesn't feel like a story. That's in that space of pain, you immediately create a narrative, but it doesn't feel like you're creating it. It feels like it just is when we're sitting yeah. with our judgments that way. Yeah, that's the first pass. It just, the initial insult, it's You can't avoid it. It's going to happen, but don't add to it. Well, right. But so, but it, it doesn't seem people, okay, I'm, I'm going to die on this hill and this might be the purpose of this podcast. People don't think that they are being sensitive when they come, when they create, when they, when they craft rules around their suffering. So let's stick with the physical because it's so obvious. Okay. You're doing your, um, dips, you're doing your dips, your elbows hurt. You, 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 you know, you've got uh, tendon tears. You're like, you know what? I can't do dips anymore. That's a logical feeling. Sure. Ex exercise, pain from exercise, Stop. symptom, <laughs> pain from exercise. It, you, you will create, craft that narrative so fast and we box ourselves in. We paint ourselves into a corner slowly <laughs> over time because there's things that we're not good at. And instead of saying, what is going, the, a, you know, an enlightened way or a wise way or wise observation would be, what could I do differently in the dip to prevent a pain, my painful experience? That's a question, the answer to which will yield a lot of powerful next steps because the answer is to, ch to change the, mm -hmm. the joint mechanics, is mm -hmm. to change the, the muscle imbalance that's going on there. Not, <clears throat> not just pun intended, dip out in the whole exercise. That's right. Very good. Yeah, good. That's and, what I'm here for. Yeah, you're a poet and you know it. <laughs> you're spitting it and throwing it. Oh boy. So, <laughs> so, so you're exactly not to dip out. And, but, but, but when you're in that moment, you think you're being thoughtful, you think you're being useful, you think those judgments are valuable. And it's not until they create a false identity and a false premise about your whole life mm -hmm. or, or whole, a whole aspect of your life, like your health, your mm -hmm. physical resilience, whatever it is, mm -hmm. that um, begs the question. And so, so the second suffering 
we don't know that's what we're layering. We don't know that that's the bricks that we're layering. Correct. And um, it ta- it's not until <laughs> someone just asks a question, uh, until someone pierces the veil. Yes. And um, and then you laugh at how thin that whole line, all that stuff was that you made up. It just drops. Yeah. Hopefully it just drops. And that's the discipline of perception. That's di- the discipline of perception. Mm-hmm. And how or to be... Reframing in psychology, you say. But... Okay. It's not as easy as that. So, but this is the, the, it has to be in my mind and, and maybe there's people that is, that are not like this, but I do believe it has to be modeled somehow for the person because it doesn't, you know, when I was younger, the narrative around all the adults around me was victim. Mm. And I remember my grandfather lecturing, um, one of my cousins about their low grades in, in math. And my cousin was saying, oh, you know, I've got, uh, I've, uh, uh, I've got this bad math teacher and she doesn't like me. And he just thoughtfully listened for a second. He's like, well, bad teachers exist. And you're gonna have some. And it's okay if a teacher doesn't like you because you're not trying to make friends with this teacher. You need from them a grade that gets you what you want in life, that gets you access to college, that gets you access to the next level. So you need to learn. Part of being a good student is learning how to sidestep a bad teacher to get what you need. That's good advice. And it's not advice, it's perspective. Because mm. he's taking it mm. from the teacher's job to give you education right. to the student's job to get the education. It's on you. Right? Oh, yeah. And um, it, I'd never heard anyone say that. Mm-hmm. And when he said it, I just felt a sense of power. Like, yeah, I felt, Yeah, I, I, I felt it. I was like, ah, mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that when you, if you don't have somebody modeled, um, modeling that in front of you, and we kind of know, we kind of know it's not right. Like when you're injured, like when I was injured, it kind of doesn't make sense. And we have this a little bit of intuition of like, what is, what am I doing that's different than what everyone else is doing? And it's subtle, right? Three degrees. Three degrees. You're, you, you're the dis- the three degrees is the difference between what when a rocket leaves the earth it hitting the sun and hitting the moon three degrees so if you can get that correction if you can correct over time you can get that lunar landing and you can be a hero and not burn up in the sun like icarus let's let's avoid that one (laughs) (laughs) i've done that a few times so so um choose not to be harmed where this is all came come back from the second suffering and i just think that that has to be modeled for you because the limitations that we breed life to we I don't think we know another way I think that we kind of suspect that we're in the matrix but I don't Mm. think that we I don't I I think if someone has to show us how to pierce the veil yeah how to jack out of it or whatever they call it in the matrix that sounds kind of bad what do they call it (laughs) jack out I don't know what it is (laughs) something with a jacking I don't know but but also like the matrix is that's a good you know hero's journey there's lots of good hero's journeys but it's like some Luke didn't wake up and know how to use the force Right. He woke up and knew there was something else out there and someone had to show him how to use the force. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not like you don't just, you're not just born and you're just force choking people. <laughs> if only. Well honed skill. Yeah, that, that was uh, that, see that, that conversation should be the bumper that should for this episode is like people aren't intentionally fucking their lives up. <laughs> no one is. Yeah. Why, why would we do that? 
Yeah. I would do that. So, so I think that he's just gently intercepting that. So if you can, if you can intercept that narrative and, and, and ask better questions earlier on in the process when you're frustrated, it's okay to be frustrated because if you're frustrated, it's a good you're sign. doing something like you'd even take it back to where you're frustrated and you're good at something. Like I remember being terrified about teaching um, group fitness and um, getting in front of people and leading and, and it was so scary, but I was good at it. And I, I was just scared because it was new and it was a neural pathway I hadn't yeah. owned before and I got to be seen and all these other things. And it was all new, but, and it's like being frustrated and moving forward and frustrated and moving backwards seem very similar. So hmm. being frustrated isn't the enemy. It's, it's the, are you causing da- damage? Are you damaging? Are you wasting your time? Are you damaging yourself? Are you building bad habits and skills that don't do anything? I think that's the piece. Um, are you, what, what are you developing? Makes sense. So that was another discipline of perception. Uh, these are coming out of Ryan Holiday's book, Obstacles Away. He d- divided into three sections, uh, discipline of perception, discipline of action, and discipline of will. Action. I don't think so. And I love the format of this because I don't think that action is difficult. I think people don't like the pain that you and I are talking about of of being confused and hurting yourself and moving forward when I think that's why like it's so it's so much easier to go to like a CrossFit workout or something. There's a bunch of people. You have a coach. There's no no ambiguous nature of it. It's Mm -hmm. like a lot of the fears we have are just like wasting time doing things wrong. And but once you get all that out of the way, the action is actually rewarding. Mm-hmm. I don't know very many people that don't feel better leaving a, a workout than they do entering it. But getting them to enter is usually if they can get over those cognitive distortions is yep. what that's, what's holding them back. That's a big one. Uh, or sort of stress inoculation. You go in and get used to something over and over and then it becomes normal. Like practice. Um, that's a version of exposure therapy and what I do. Uh, and the Stoics would practice sort of, you know, the, practice the fear of poverty. They'd like fast and they'd wear like the same clothes every day. They sleep on the floor and they're like, okay, I know what this feels like and I'm not afraid of it anymore. And if it's hit, I'm good. So therefore I don't have to fear it anymore. And there's a funny story of uh, Tim Ferriss doing this exercise. Um, I think I'm getting this right, but he would go into Starbucks in line <clears throat> and he would just lay down on the ground. Mm. <laughs> Get used to being like uncomfortable. And he started to realize like, once he was fine, it was actually everyone else that was uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, and he'd, they'd be like, are you okay? And he's like, oh yeah, I'm just fine. And then you just pop up and order his coffee. I, I think I'm getting that story right. But how, how ballsy is that? Well, two different things. Um, the, he used to do that. If I read his book um, as well. He would do that. Um, act out of context in any context. So he would like lay down at a dance club. But it was to make space so he could break dance. People get away from him thinking he passed out. And he would, but it would freak everyone out. Yeah, that's right. And then, and he would look stupid and weird and not cool. And then he would break dance. So he, he could get space to do that at a, at a dance club. But you would do stuff like, um, um, I think he says in his four hour work week, like go to a, like a public square where people are hanging out, picnicking and whatever, and, and, and playing Frisbee and, and having arguments and, drinking beer and do your, do your work. Because if you need a perfectly quiet environment to work in, maybe you shouldn't try, because it was all about being the new rich and having a free time and things Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you can't be 
if you can't shift context at will, maybe you shouldn't have your own business and your own job. So we had all these kind of checks to say like, hey, maybe you need the reinforcement of doing things with other people. And, and uh, so there was a lot of different things that you had to do to, to break a context, <clears throat> break out of a context inside mm-hmm. that book or those books. It was really good. Yeah, and yeah, it freaks other people out when you don't play by the rules. <laughs> it does. It's, it's funny, but then you get over it. And then you actually watch them feel uncomfortable. And then that makes you feel sort of comfortable because they're uncomfortable. And it's like, oh, you, you're just equally as weirded out about this. And it, I don't have to be anymore, I guess. Well, you can go ahead and have the, the weird feelings about it. Well, and man, this is another, we should have a podcast just about interpersonal skills because when, when you um, break the social uh, contract and you are real with people, um, and, and in a safe way, not like sure. a panicked, yeah. you know, oh my God, you know, the sky's falling and you're just like a ranting person. But if, like if, <laughs> if someone, if someone asks you, you know, how you're doing and you're like, I just got back from a funeral. I'm really grieving the loss and the loss of my family. Like that, that you're, would you give other people permission to be vulnerable and real in a safe way? Like you you widen the space for everyone. Yeah. And you, you, you know. You, you give people permission to be out the color outside the lines too. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really, it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely, yeah. So what we do in uh, my men's groups, as soon as someone risks being open or the V word vulnerable, then everyone else goes, oh, I can do that too. You're not gonna kick me in the nuts for that? No. And then that person's a little more vulnerable. And then before you know it, people are open and then the group gets more cohesive because of it. They start to trust each other. It's a similar idea. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, we can move to discipline of action if we want to. Action taking on thoughts, uh, sort of like the iterative approach that we talked about last time, like with Jocko, try shit. Uh, step by step, having persistence, um, learning from what didn't work over time. Uh, one of the quotes from the book is, failure shows us the way by showing us what isn't the way also. Yeah, well, what, I mean, it, I like that quote, if you if you have some reference points, because knowing what doesn't work, yes, like jujitsu is a really good example. Mm. Um, there's there's only five finishing moves, right? Well, okay, there's but there's millions, but like countless. Yeah. There's, there's countless ways to finish someone. But there's like five big ones, mm. um, six big ones, and you have to figure out how to get into those on yeah. your own. There's you have a to, process. You have to figure out how to get in those positions. And they're trying to do that to you is the other fun thing. But it's not random. So like you could, if you show up to a jujitsu class, but you don't have instruction, you just get choked out. It would take you a lot longer to learn. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Good point. Yeah. You will learn at some point not to be in that position. So but. it's fa- in, in context failure. It, it, correct. In context failure. Yeah. yeah. And then you, do, you don't always, like you said before, you don't always have to meet the obstacle head on. You can outthink or outflank them sometimes. You know, it doesn't have to be like force on force. Back to the sort of Aikido principle. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's, well, it's, it's not, I think, gosh, there's so many like sub, sub, subtext to this podcast, but it's not effort. Effort will not get you a blue belt. Effort will not choke the person out in front of you. You actually have to, you have to, you have to have skills and skills take time, but it doesn't take effort, but you have, you, you have to, there's a lot more allowing than what, what you would, it would seem. You'd have to be there and be present, not white knuckling it. Um, it. It's not an effort thing. Effort's part of it. You have to get the effort in. You can't 
be asleep and put the reps in. But if you're on the mat, um, it's not about making it happen. It's about being, being in the process. Mm-hmm. And I think Buddhism calls it effortless effort. <laughs> yeah. I like soft focus, uh, like playing an instrument. Like you can only put your fingers on the exact strings to make the guitar work. But if you grip over grip the guitar, you get nothing. Great analogy. The resonance. Yeah. 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 yeah that's another, uh, patience tester right there. Learning the guitar. Yeah, man. Um, well, I've got the C chord so far. Um, there you go. You can play but, that metal now. Just yeah. Get some. You know, we can talk about something. This should be this. Maybe this should be a two-parter. We're like <laughs> we're almost like an hour. We're we're just we've lost like twenty-five people. <laughs> Thanks for staying with us so far. <laughs> I mean, we've got the discipline of action. The discipline of. Uh, Perception. Perception. And then discipline of will? Will is the next one, yeah. The quote is, like any good school, learning from failure isn't free. The tuition is paid in discomfort or loss and having to start over. Yeah. Mm. So it's perseverance. Perseverance beyond mere persistence. It's a long game. It's a long game. And God, if you are... If you if you're somebody who's just gifted at um, intrapersonal skills, you may not have to get married multiple times. <laughs> if you're somebody who's really good at business, you may not have a um, a string of failures, or you have micro failures inside of a successful business. Um, I'm not I'm not really either of those. But, um, because I failed at, at marriage and at, and at business before, but a people that I've known who've been married for 65 years and people that I know who have never lost a business and have, have always been profitable, they learn fast, they take smaller risks and the failures are micro failures. Like, you know, you do something your partner doesn't like you, you, you update your map of them. You, 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 you stay with who that person is becoming and you don't try to pretend like, you know, what's best for them or. And so the same thing for your like finances or business. It's like, if you're taking big risks that you've never taken before with skill sets you don't actually have, which is, I've done all of those things, then you're going to have big losses mm. um, and you know, big mistakes. And uh, I'm, you know, it, it, you know, anyways, I, I don't have much to say about that. The discipline of will. I think there's, um, I'm, I think people, I, okay, I'll speak for myself. I am I'm okay being uncomfortable. I'm more uncom- I'm more okay with the discomfort of moving forward than I am with the discomfort of staying the same. And you know, you know, there's some, but not in everything. There's some things where I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to try that hard for whatever it is. Um, I haven't found that thing yet, but I'm, I give myself permission. <laughs> <laughs> you got the order of operations correct there. Uh, and the obstacle is the way he was talking about um, in this section. Uh, Abe Lincoln, and sort of like. Um, in therapy way say it's grist for the mill. I don't actually know where that saying comes from, some mill saying, but you use it's sort of like using like poison as the medicine in the way, but he was talking about Lincoln being prone to they call it melancholy back then, but depression. And he had to go through a lot of shit and a lot of, a lot of adversity in his life. But that he went through all that, had patience and learned to work with it. It molded him to be the perfect person for the fucking civil war. Be and be that leader and he knew what to do because he'd gone through all this shit in a different 
battle, personal battle that he applied to, you know, the real battle. Um, so that's sort of using, you know, the obstacles away. I think that's a good example. You know, using all this pain as feedback, what to do with it, how to grow from it, and then you can metaphorically apply that to other areas in your life. That's sort of what he did. Absolutely. I, I think that's, there, there's, there, there's something even bigger at play there. It's like um, the concept of grace. You're, we are, I am, being conditioned for the next step. Actually, that's the theme of this whole podcast, right? It's, it's, you're being conditioned, if you're listening to this, you're being conditioned for the next step in your life, whatever it is, better health, better relationships, better finances, whatever it is, you're, you're already being conditioned for it. If you're listening and you're able to ask good questions from the experience you're having now, because the frustration of um, not being able to, um, in my life, the, all of my failures, whether it was closing down the gym or um, you know all the physical injuries and things I've been through, they, they've made me so prepared for helping other coaches build their businesses, for helping other clients um, uh, overcome their obstacles. It's, it's so easy now because I've failed so many times. And in the time, I resented it and I wanted the result, but the skill is what creates the results. So I, I think I've always, I'm, I'm, I'm being conditioned for, for the next level is a very privileged mindset to sit in. If you, uh, if you're used to, if you're somebody who is maybe feeling like they're drowning at the level they're on, I understand how uh, a disconnected a statement like that is, but that's always been true for me. That leads to another good quote here. Each time you'll learn something, each time you'll develop strength, wisdom, and perspective, each time a little more of the competition falls away until all that is left is you, the best version of you. I mean, love that. it's cute, but it makes sense. I mean, it's not cute, it's true. Uh, in my industry has a 90% attrition rate, and I, don't, I know a handful of coaches that I've met over the years that are still in, you know, mm -hmm. and lo and behold, they're really good. Mm -hmm. They're really good. It's like uh, any spec ops or like this team guys, you know, seals like high attrition rate. Those motherfuckers are elite because of that. Yeah, it, it's um, it's set and it's set up like that on purpose. Mm -hmm. I don't think our industry is set up like that on purpose, but I do see that. <laughs> that's the effect. Uh -huh. That's exactly right. Uh -huh. Yeah, wow, man, that was cool. I I I, um, I got a lot from just talking about talking this out. I think um, the big takeaway, gosh, um, if you want to if you want to build muscle, increase your bench press, slow down, rest more, more skill, less weight, patience, patience, food and sleep. Um, if you want to um, recover from an injury, you have to do something different can't do the same thing with more physical therapy. You have to, you have to do it differently. Mm -hmm. So that's just a bandaid. Yeah. Treatment, mm -hmm. treatment, treatment is the, well, treatment is the, uh, is the intervention to the cycle of dis dysfunction, but then you have to have a functional cycle. You have to, you have to repair, repair the movement pattern. Yeah. It's the same in like what I do with patients. Yeah. Same, exactly. Same thing in the, in the mental world. 
Amen, brother. All right. Wow. We got, we got a lot. We got dense. <laughs> yeah. Anything well, else to add or anything you want to, you know, want people to really have for this conversation? Uh, I guess I had one more quote here. We can end with it. No one said you can't ever cry. Forget manliness. If you need to take a moment, by all means, go ahead. Real strength lies in the control, or as Nassim Taleb put it, the domestication of one's emotions, not in pretending they don't exist. So stoicism gets a bad rap that you, you're not emo- you're, you just don't feel emotions. Now you domesticate them, but you still feel them. Hmm. You don't chase them away, but you don't act them out. Yeah. You don't obsess, but you don't repress. That's what I always tell my people. Somewhere in the middle. I don't, um, yeah, I've always been a crier. I've been very emotional. Um, the, the, I also have a huge, I mean, I'm very emotional in general. My demand for numbing or emoting is very high. Um, I gotta, I gotta emote. Yeah, I'm gonna reach out. Are you a crier? Do you? I'm a feeling type, yeah. But I, I have a history of the suffocating it because of my upbringing. Hmm. You know, like, like last time I wasn't allowed, we were talking about I wasn't allowed to express anger or feelings, so I just kind of you know, swallow it and that turns to depression. Yeah. So there's a lot of that still there, but yeah, I'm, I'm a feel, I feel things. And, and you said numbing goes a lot with feelings, are you saying? Uh, that oh, my, my desire for numbing behavior is, is in lockstep with how emotional I am. Mm-hmm. So I need to emote in real time frequently or, or you like want to need to like, Oh, I need a drink. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, get, I get out of control. Yes. Yeah. That fits. That definitely fits my experience too. We can do all uh, podcasts and addictions and, and such. Cause that's that. Yeah. Well, um, I got to reach out to a buddy of mine. A buddy of mine was saying like, he's only cried twice in his life. Hoy. And, and it wasn't like at like funerals or anything. It was like, kind of random like uh his mom died and he never cried he had cried like one time before that and then i think he's, he's cried a couple times i wonder if that's still true hmm. i don't know he's got kids now i feel like that changes you oh boy oh boy yes <laughs> you, you have that uh tender-hearted sadness of life <laughs> the preciousness of life i like get that will soften you for hopefully it does i mean it yeah that's that definitely changes you when you have kids well, uh, there we go, man. Well, this is a signal to be emotional, um, be vulnerable. And uh, like part of learning is admitting there's something you don't know. And if you're learning, you're growing. So that requires vulnerability. Yep. Doesn't mean you uh, fall apart and stay apart, but it's okay to fall apart and get back up. And when you fall apart, there are things that shatter that you didn't notice is there in yourself that you need to reclaim when you build yourself back up. You didn't notice till you broke down, if that makes sense. But well, you got to put yourself, got to put Humpty Dumpty back together. Yeah. All right. And if you need uh, help gluing Humpty Dumpty back together, uh, Dr. Miles' <laughs> phone number is 555. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you can look me up. Yeah. And you do some of this too in your work, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. You, you, the gym is for crying. That's my, that's my experience. The gym is for crying. Out of, out of the pain you put people through? Or? No, they come with it. I, I, I love it. They, mm-hmm. They'll take a couple of steps and they'll do some warm ups and then the, the tears come. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's because they're in their body and they're sensory aware. Yes. And they, yeah. that they, the, the, what is it called? Disassociation stops. Yep. You can't. Yeah. I've heard this with body workers, chiropractors, 
the similar phenomenon. You can't learn and be disassociated, by the way. So good luck if you're trying to do that. Good luck. Addictions. Yeah. I guess if you're autistic, maybe a little bit. But even then. Because like, there's some like coder people who are like kind of on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Or like, no, 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 this is all mechanical, oh, ones and zeros. But it's like, eh, you're still, you're still a human in there. Correct. Yeah, there's, it's different. It's just different. That's another episode as well. That's another episode. Before we go down more rabbit holes. All right, that was a good one. Uh, use the grist for the mill. Use the grist for the mill. Get after it. Stay hungry. Until the next. <laughs>